0: Good morning, Oakwood. What a great day to to start off this Fourth of July weekend. Eight baptisms. We had a had a problem though with the ba- baptism backstage because we had eleven people that got wet today, and we only had ten towels. So we had to drip dry Mark afterwards and give him a few paper towels. But we we got him dried off, and he's good to go. What an exciting day! Uh, eight people. Uh, finding the Lord for the first time and receiving Christ as Savior. This past June 16th, the USS Fitzgerald, one of our nation's uh, Navy ships, collided with a Japanese cargo ship. And during that collision, seven sailors were killed. I think we've got the photo of that if you want to put that up. This is a photo of the Fitzgerald, and it was ran into by a Japanese cargo ship about seven times the size of this. And you think, "Oh, how did that happen? It happened at about 2.30 in the morning when most of the sailors were asleep in their sleeping quarters. And you're thinking, shouldn't somebody have sounded an alarm like a collision alert? Well, it's still under investigation. We really don't know what happened, but obviously somebody didn't sound the alarm in time to avoid a collision and as a result, seven people lost their life. Of course, the most famous ship collision happened on April 15, 1912, where more than 1,500 of the 2,200 passengers aboard the, US, or the Titanic died. And they, they hit an iceberg. And of course, they had a watchman. They had somebody on lookout, but apparently he didn't see the iceberg soon enough to sound the collision alarm and allow the ship to either stop or change its course. 1,500 souls were lost that day. Well, in the Old Testament, a watchman was a common thing because people that lived inside walled cities would select a watchman, and it was this watchman's duty To stand on the wall and to watch and to warn the inside people that there was approaching danger. Whether that be an enemy such as an army approaching, maybe a tornado or a natural disaster something coming. Whatever the danger was, they were to warn the people inside the wall so that they would have time to make precautions. And once he saw the enemy or the danger, he was to blow the trumpet To let people know that there was danger. Well, in Ezekiel chapter 33, this is our passage that we're going to use today. The Lord appoints Ezekiel as the watchman on the wall for the entire nation of Israel. I'm going to read this. passage from the contemporary English version and it's not the version you have there in the pew in front of you or probably the version you have but I want you to just just listen and the words will be on the screen if you want to follow along the Lord said Ezekiel son of man warn your people by saying someday I the Lord may send an enemy to invade a country and suppose its people choose someone to stand watch and to sound the warning signal when the enemy is seen coming If any of these people hear the signal and ignore it, they will be killed in battle. But it will be their own fault because they could have escaped if they had paid attention. But suppose the person watching fails to sound the warning signal. The enemy will attack and kill some of the sinful people of that country. And I, the Lord, will hold that person responsible for their death. See, if he didn't sound the the horn, the trumpet, and people got killed, he was at fault. Ezekiel, I have appointed you to stand watch for the people of Israel. So listen to what I say, then warn them for me. When I tell wicked people that they will die because of their sins, you must warn them to turn from their sinful ways. But if you refuse to warn them, you are responsible for their death. If you do warn them and they keep sinning, they will die because of their sins and you will be innocent. Do you get the message here? God told Ezekiel, Your job is to warn the people and to quit sinning. And if they continue to sin, then it's on them. But if you don't warn them, then it's on you. This message today um, has been something that's been on my heart for several months. And God's been kind of working on this message, kind of slow cooking it for a while. And either, one, I haven't got up the nerve to preach it, or I just maybe have ignored this message for a while. But I think it's something that not only I've maybe been ignoring, but I think as a nation we've been ignoring. And I want to tell you right up front, this is not my typical sermon. Typically, and I've preached dozens of 4th of July sermons... Where we can kind of feel good because we live in America and pat ourselves on the back. But this isn't it. In fact, the message today is probably going to be disturbing to some of you. And you're probably going to be a little uncomfortable. And that's okay. For as long as I can remember, we have been preaching this message. America needs to turn back to God. Turn back to God. And truthfully, we are getting further and further and further away from God. We are living in a time, even in our country right now, that as is, is anti-God, anti-Christian, anti-Bible, opposing God and the Bible at every opportunity that we can. And if you choose to live your life by the standards found in the Bible, I'm just going to tell you, be prepared. You're going to be ridiculed, You're going to be called intolerant. You're going to be called judgmental. You're going to be very called insensitive. But this really shouldn't surprise us at all because the Bible clearly says in the later times, good is going to be replaced by evil. Isaiah 5.20 says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. I want to tell you something, friends. We are there right now today. Paul writes in Timothy, in the later days, people will replace sound teaching with a lie. In other words, the truth found in Scripture is going to be replaced by a lie. And the good found in Scripture, what's righteous and holy, is going to be replaced with evil. And what we have known most of our life is evil is going to be celebrated as good. And right now, friends, we are there. Cecil Todd, maybe some of you know Cecil, is an evangelist within our brotherhood, and he has done many crusades, wake up America crusades. And I had the opportunity to sit down with Cecil at the Kaimishi Men's Clinic this past May, and I said, Cecil, you've been preaching this message a long time, turn back to God, turn back to God. And I want to tell you, I believe that we need to speak. To this nation to turn back to God, but I said, Are you seeing seeing any results of any within this country of people turning back to God? And he said, Very little. In fact, really not much at all. And the message that I'm going to share with you today is the same thing I told him that I said, Cecil, I believe it's time that we change our message from turn back to God to sound the alarm. I think we need to sound the alarm and prepare for battle because we, right now, have been overran by the enemy. We're not seeing the enemy in the distance that we can blow the alarm and say, okay, the enemy's coming. We've left the gates of the city open and our enemy is sin and it has now come within the city and is so intermingled with Christians and non-Christians that we can't even tell what's what. We have right now been overran by the enemy and it's time to sound the alarm and prepare for battle. I've never believed the pulpit is a place to hash out political differences and we're not going to do that today. And I've never believed the pulpit is a place to set out to attack anybody personally and I'm not going to do that today either. But the problem we're facing today is that so many people have embraced sin as a lifestyle and a way of life that if you mention a particular sin they're going to take it as a personal attack against them that you don't like them personally. And if anyone tries to help somebody by telling them the truth, let me tell you, you better be prepared that you're going to be called a hater, you're going to be called judgmental, you're going to be called intolerant, you're going to be called any name in the book. And that puts us in a very hard place because are we going to back off and quit preaching the parts of the Bible that offends people? Are we going to love them enough to tell them the truth, even if it makes us controversial? So my question for you today, church, is this. Do you love the sinner? I'm talking, do we love the fornicator, the adulterer, the pedophile, the homosexual, the lesbian, the drug addict, the prostitute, the liar, the thief, the murderer, enough to tell them the truth? That according to God's Word, that they are sinning, and the wages of sin is death, and the wages of sin is a lifetime, eternity, and hell? Or do we love them enough to tell them that God's already provided a remedy through His blood on the cross, and that there's hope in Jesus Christ, and that there's forgiveness in Jesus Christ? Do we love people that much? Or do we ignore God's commandments in every confrontational or confrontive Scripture Anything that's controversial that identifies sin as sin and we just try to rub some greasy God's grace on them and make them feel better, pat them on the back and send them out the door. And they can live however they want to live. They can choose to believe whatever they want to believe and it's just fine. Let's just make them feel good. That's the question I have today because friends, we can't walk the middle line anymore. The day is gone when you could look at somebody and say, you know... I don't know if they're a Christian or not. I think they might be, well, I don't know. That day is over. Friends, you're either on the side of God or you're on the side of evil. You're either going to walk with God or you're going to walk with the devil, plain and simple. You're either going to stand for the words found in this book that we know of the Bible, or you're going to live for the for the devil we're either preaching the truth and living by the truth or rejecting the truth. We're either working for God or working against God. And it's really not hard to see because the Bible is our standard. This is what I call a plumb line. Anybody that's ever built a fence or a wall, and I'm familiar with this because I recently built a fence and I used a line which you tied at each end of the pole and that made a straight line. And that told me how crooked my fence was, okay? Some people are, are are really good at that, but mine ended up a little crooked. But this plumb line tells us what's straight. That's the standard. And our Bible is our standard. It's our moral compass. And it's our standard isn't our opinion or what we believe is right or wrong. But the problem is that many churches and Christians today have become so polluted and they have so diluted down the Word of God that they no longer call sin a sin, it's a bad choice. It's a mistake. Whoops! Ah, eh, sorry. Error in judgment. And we no longer call people to repentance and salvation from sin. And we have become what the Bible calls blind watchmen. Isaiah fifty-six ten says his watchmen are blind. They are ignorant. They are all dumb dogs. They cannot bark. Sleeping, lying down, and loving to slumber. How many of you want to have a watchdog? Who doesn't bark and let you know somebody's breaking in your house? He's just so lazy, he just lays there. Might wag his tail from time to time, but he's certainly not going to bark and let you know danger is approaching. That's what we've become. Blind watchmen. That's what, unfortunately, too many Christians have become because they don't want to upset anybody. Let's just get along. Let's just be tolerant of others. Let's just accept without confronting or upsetting them. Let's just live in harmony and inclusion. We want you to be yourself. Whatever it is that you identify yourself with, that's fine with us. God loves you just the way you are. Which is true. But God loves you enough that He doesn't want you to stay the way you are. We, we just know God wants you to be happy. And yes, God does want you to be happy. But not at the cost of everything. I want to ask you something. If sin makes you happy, and let's be honest, sin, for the most part, makes people happy and it's fun or it wouldn't be a problem. Nobody would be doing it if it wasn't somewhat fun, right? For a season. But if sin makes you happy... Does that make it acceptable with God? Of course not. Does grace make allowance for sin because it makes us happy? No. Right now we have Christians preaching and teaching a message of love and acceptance, inclusiveness, peace and prosperity, safety, unity and harmony at all costs. Let's just get along. And I want to tell you something today our nation's divided. We are probably as close to a civil war right now as we were back in the days when we actually fought a civil war. We have more hate and prejudice and racial tension right now than most of us have ever seen. And we of a nation have forgotten God. We've rebelled against God. We've kicked Him out of school. We've kicked Him out of any political office. You can't pray at a ball game. You can't pray in school. You can't say the name of Jesus here. You can't put up the Ten Commandments. You can't put up a nativity scene here. We've ridiculed and we've cast God out of our lives and out of our country. And as a result, we're spiraling out of control and we're falling to this bottomless pit of sin. of Greed, immorality, and sexual perversion. Talk show after talk show, news story after news story are about homosexual, lesbian, transgender, and bisexuals that have come out and now we're celebrating them as heroes. Are you kidding me? What's the matter with us? Right before our very eyes, we're seeing what God said has been evil being celebrated as good. And if you say anything, now you're evil. Friends, all sorts of perversion is happening right before our eyes and guess what? We do nothing. We say nothing. Our nation's going to hell and we're afraid to speak up in fear of offending someone or being criticized ourselves. And I want to tell you something today. It would have been real easy to get up and preach some type of a patriotic message, pat you on the back and say, hey, we live in a great country and we are so excited and so blessed to, to be here and pat you on the back and send you out to the world to, to make you feel good. But if we don't have an earth-shaking move of God pretty quickly, it's going to be too late. I just read last week in the newspaper that one of our denominations has publicly ordained its first transgender pastor and everyone was excited. Well, not everyone, but much of the country was excited because this guy now ha- has been a pioneer and a groundbreaker. Last year my home state of Missouri had its first in the history of of the the whole Miss America contest, the first openly gay contestant, Miss Miss Missouri. And she was celebrated as a trailblazer. Really? Last week an ex NFL football player came out as gay. And people everywhere commended him for being brave enough to speak out. Bruce Jenner, Caitlyn Jenner, whatever his or her name is. or Yeah. what Being celebrated as Person of the Year? Wow. I want to tell you something, friends. These are some dark days we're living in. They're not the dark days of 20 or 30 years down the road, but they're the dark days of today, 2017. It's happening right now. And Christians and churches are silent, and we're not opening our mouths except to say, well, everything's fine. Things are getting better. It's going to be okay. And it's not. I want to ask you a question. I I asked you one question already, but I'm going to ask another one. Is it because our churches today are filled with blind or asleep watchmen? 2 Timothy 3 says, Know this, that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own self, covetous boasters, proud blasphemers, disobedient to parents, Unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truth breakers, false accusers, incontinent fierce despisers of those that are good, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such turn away from. You see, the world has become a little churchy and the church has become a little worldly and it's hard to tell the difference, isn't it, sometimes? People can a few scriptures say a few somewhat religious sayings, and everything sounds good Jesus said it it was as in the days of Noah, so, so shall it be in the days of the Son of Man well how was it in the days of Noah the Bible says that God saw the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and that every sin in your imagination and was in their thoughts and heart and Everything they thought was evil. Matthew chapter 24, beginning with verse 4. This is one of the most, to me, one of the most disturbing passages of Scripture in the Bible. Jesus said, watch out that no one deceives you. We're being deceived. For many will come in my name claiming, I am the Christ. We will... will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen. The end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines, earthquakes in various places. These are the beginning of the birth pangs. That's like reading the local newspaper, isn't it? Or watching the news. It's exactly what's happening. Then he goes on, you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. And this is so sad. Verse 10 says, At that time many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. Brothers and sisters in church will betray the faith in Christ and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. Did you get that? The love of most of the brothers and sisters are going to grow cold for the Lord. Become lukewarm. But he who stands firm to the end will be saved and the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations and then the end will come i know what you're thinking probably alan why are you preaching like this this is a little disturbing this is a little frightening let me tell you friends it's not just a little disturbing and a little frightening this is a lot disturbing this is a lot frightening and i'll tell you why i'm preaching like this is because we are at a time of war hell is being poured out on us on this earth in an unprecedented ways and because i want you to be prepared and equipped for whatever's coming and, let me tell you, I don't have a crystal ball into the future to tell you what all is coming, and it's because I have a, a responsibility as a watchman on the wall to sound the trumpet and let people know trouble is coming. First Corinthians fourteen eight says, "If the bugler doesn't sound a clear call, how will the soldiers know they are being called to battle?" Friends, we better put the trumpet to our lips and we better blow loud and clear. That we're at a time of war. The enemy, Satan, is among us. Maybe you don't know how to blow the trumpet. You better learn. But so many in the church are like the backslidden country of Israel that the Lord talked about in Isaiah 30. These people are like children who lie and refuse to obey, they refuse to listen to the Lord's teaching. They tell their seers, don't see any more visions. They say to the prophets, don't tell us the truth. They say things, that will, say things that will make us feel good and only good things for us. Stop blocking our path. Get out of our way. Stop telling us about God, the Holy One of Israel. We don't want to hear anything bad. Just tell us good things. Even in church, don't tell us about sin. Don't tell us about something we're doing wrong. Only pat us on the back make us feel good. Just smooth things out. Even if you have to deceit those in the pews, just don't tell us the truth. Don't tell us anything more about God. First Timothy 4, the, clearly, the Spirit clearly says that in a later time, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits, things taught by demons. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciousness have been seared as with a hot iron. You see, I have a burden today because I think that especially here in this country, the church and Christians, we become a little lazy. We become a little lazy and a little just lazy, I guess, in our commitment to God. I see people treating the church like something that they can take or leave it. They view the Bible as, well, I can believe parts of it, some of it I don't. I'll follow parts of this, some of it I won't. I'll follow the easy parts, but not the hard parts. They think, you know, the church is always going to be there. It doesn't matter if I miss a few weeks or maybe even a few months. Let me tell you, people, we're at war. We're in the most desperate, most depressing, darkest time most of us have ever experienced. And in the church, we act like everything's fine and we act like there's no devil and there's no sin among us. And it's only going to get worse. Well, Alan, how do you know it's going to get worse? Because God's Word tells us it's going to continue to get worse, and the only thing that's going to save us is when we hear the the big trumpet blow and Jesus comes back for His church. And this is a time when we need to be more committed, more faithful, more on fire for God than we've ever been before because things are changing in this nation. This is not the America that many of us grew up in. This is not the America that we have known and loved. And it's not getting better. And we need to get honest about it and quit playing games. And we need to gird up our loins and we better slap on the armor of God. And we better seek God's face like we've never seeked God's face before. God needs some watchmen that are going to sound the alarm and go to battle. You know, we've gone from just a single murder to now we're having mass murders, mass homicides. Paul's nightclub shooting in Orlando last year. Sandy Hook Elementary School. Assassination attempts and killing some security officers of our congressmen. Stabbings, shootings, bombings. Driving over people with vehicles. That's becoming an everyday occurrence. Last year in South Carolina, Charleston, a lone gunman walked into a church and he murdered nine people in the house of God. Whether you voted for him or didn't vote for him, love him or hate him, have you ever seen a time when somebody can show off the severed head of a president of the United States and people laugh about it? Or a play in which he's stabbed to death and people celebrated it as art? We better, as a church, get our heads out of the sand and into the Word. We better quit treating church like it's an elective college class. You know, well, I just got to fill some extra time here. I've got to get an extra credit. So I'm just going to take this class. God has laid this on my heart that we need some watchmen on the wall. Some watchmen that are going to sound the alarm. People that are going to love people enough to warn them of impending danger. Amen? Alright, I'm not going to leave you without hope. Okay? Is there hope for America? There is hope. The hope is in Jesus Christ. God said in Second Chronicles, If my people who are called by name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Well, So I want to ask, where are the watchmen? You know, there are still a few watchmen standing on the wall, but Unfortunately, not many people are listening to them. They're still they're standing the alarm, but people think they're nuts. And they've just turned a deaf ear to them. Brothers and sisters, I'm inviting you to join with me today in standing on the wall as a watchman for God. It might be lonely. You might be the only one standing there. But let me tell you, you keep standing there with a the trumpet in hand, ready to blow the alarm. And I'm inviting you to sound the alarm and tell everyone that you know, that you love, that we're at war. And I'm going to tell you right up front, it's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be messy. You're going to get your hands dirty. But we better wake up before it's too late. I really didn't want to preach this message today. In fact, I almost this morning thought, man, it'd be easier just to preach a feel-good message, wouldn't it? But this has been a burning desire on my heart for several months. And I really believe I'd been disobedient if I hadn't preached this message. So today, what I'm going to ask, I'm going to commit to you that I'm going to stand on the wall, and I'm going to continue to be a watchman for the Lord. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If you're willing to stand on the wall and be a watchman, not for me, but a watchman for God, would you stand, just raise your hand. I want to pray for you, or even stand. Thank you. God bless you guys. I'm going to pray for you guys today. Those that are willing to say, God, I'm going to stand on the wall with a trumpet in hand, and I'm not going to let this country go to hell. Father, you see the the hands and the people that have stood up today to say, I'm going to stand for you. I'm going to love people enough and I'm going to care for people enough not to let them go to hell without being warned. Father, we're at a time of war and right now it appears that the bad guys are winning, but Lord, I've read the final chapter. We win. Amen? Amen? We know that we're going to hear a trumpet sound and you're going to come and you're going to defeat this enemy that we know of Satan and sin once and for all. And Lord, we look forward to that day. Lord, I pray that you empower the people today that have said, I'm going to be a watchman for you, that you give them the courage, the strength to stand and to continue to stand, proclaim, even if no one will listen, even if they're ridiculed and mocked and made fun of, Lord, you give them the courage to stand firm. And they keep blowing the trumpet for you. Thank you for their decisions. In Jesus' name, amen. We've got a time of decision now. We have a decision room right over here. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want to invite you to to meet my best friend. The Savior of this world. The hope of this world. Maybe you need somebody to pray with you. Maybe you got some bad news this week from medical tests or something going on in your life. Maybe you've got somebody that's just lost and out there. I want to just invite you to come over and let us pray and minister to you.